Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. One of my life messages for another time I'll share is the King of Hearts. It was a prophetic word I got decades ago from the Lord. And I have been living that out, falling in love with the King, and I have a heart for the King. If you have a heart for the King, you have a heart for the kingdom. Amen? Amen? You have a heart for his realm, seeing his realm uh, in the kingdom of God being established on the earth. What he started 2,000 years ago is spreading. Um, but we live in pretty odd times. I mean, we got to be honest. We live in some really interesting times. Um, and you can say, you know, there are some like godless areas of society that we have, right? I mean, there just is. You know, we're all out there doing our things, and then there's some big realms of society that are just seem godless, right? And have, we've gotten off track. We're a very divided country, deeply divided country. We face some real great challenges, political challenges, geopolitical challenges over the last couple years, uh, financial in the world, China, just different things that are forming that you can look at and say, we've got some significant challenges, right? Uh, It's just true. Um, So what are we to do in these times? And we hear a constant barrage of things that want to erode our faith, erode our hope. Uh, and it's easy to go there and just, it's actually easier to just check out and be like, you know what, I'm just going to do my own thing, worry about my own little thing, worry about my own family and my own job, right? Uh, sit on the sidelines, become a little bit disillusioned. Maybe we hadn't seen some things happen that we had prayed for or believed to have happened. Um, maybe we, you know, I love the word nowadays is deconstruction, uh, deconstruct your faith, or sometimes people refer to it more as demolition. <laughs> it's more getting rid of just about everything. Um, we don't want to do that either. Um, we don't want to demolish our faith and what God has done. Um, so, or and then the other thing I see a lot is obsessing over materialism. You know, we can just check out and just focus in on just things of this world, and and forget that we have a spiritual calling, right? Um, And there's nothing wrong with enjoying life, providing for your family, working hard in your job. I talk about that stuff all the time. Um, But we are a spiritual people, right? God is forming something. He's been doing something in in this church for a long time. Uh, He's been heightening it even in these recent seasons. He's doing something in our region. He's forming a body. There's a people coming together. Um, So what do we do in these times? Um, I'll just say this, that we we cannot allow ourselves to get thrown off track, right? So what I want to do is I want to just share some things. I want to do a little bit of teaching uh, on the kingdom of God, and then I'm going to go into some very, very uh, practical application. Uh, I am a big-picture person. I'm a vision-type person. I see big trends, and then I talk with my wife, and she's like, okay, what does that mean for me today? (laughs) So I always run my message past her. What am I missing? And she'll say, okay, here's where we got to make it practical. You know, thank God for your spouse, right? And 24 years of marriage, where you actually start to listen to each other, you know, right? <laughs> so if you have your Bibles, as uh, Pastor Zach would say, for those who are truly spiritual, if you have your physical Bible, please hold that up. <laughs> Just kidding. I never have it when he says that, so I usually have it on my phone. Um, but um, turn to Daniel 2. I just want to talk about this. 
Um, we hear a lot today about, oh, you know, Jesus is going to return, be looking for a rapture, be looking for all this stuff that's supposed to be happening imminently, much of which throws us off track of what we're supposed to actually be doing now, which is our work in advancing the kingdom that he died in order for us to be able to do. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Where, where are we living? You know, is the kingdom pushed off to some future age? Uh, does it have anything to do with me now? So if you look in Daniel 2, um, this is hundreds of years before Christ, you know, hundreds of years. Uh, it was a, Daniel finds himself as an exile in a, in a land, and he's, if I were him, I'd be like, God, I don't know how you're going to use me in this place. You know, I, I'm in the Babylonian Empire. I mean, you know, th- this could not be more different than being, you know, in the temple in Jerusalem or something. So, uh, but God uh, is faithful to his people, right? And he gives uh, the king a dream Daniel is there to not only tell him the dream that he had, but also interpret it. And here we see the alluding to the kingdom of God coming. So if you have your Bibles, we're looking at Daniel 2. Um, It says this uh, in verse 31, Daniel 2, verse 31. This is Daniel um, talking to the king. He says, You, O king, were looking, and behold, there was a large, a single great statue That statue, which was large, of extraordinary splendor, was standing in front of you, and its appearance was awesome. The head of the statue was made of fine gold, its breast and its arms of silver, its belly and its thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and part of clay. You continued looking until a stone was cut without hands, and it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and crushed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, the gold were crushed all at the same time and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them was found. But that stone that struck the statue became a great uh, mountain, and it filled the whole earth. What a picture we see. So we see Daniel's dream, right? He's talking about the head. Uh, The head, and he ends up going through the uh, interpretation um, hang on, I'm having a little trouble with my, uh, my little PowerPoint thingy here. Uh, so it's trying to connect. I remember years ago, I was coming up here to preach, and I looked at my computer, and it says, updating. I thought, oh, great. <laughs> so I had delayed it and delayed it for, like, weeks, and then finally it just says, we're done, we're updating right now. And it went on forever. And so I'm like, I guess we're going from memory today. Okay. Um, so that was an interesting experience. Um, so if we look at the, the statue, we see the head, right, that Daniel says the head of fine gold represents the current uh, rule of Babylon. It's going to get defeated by what in the, in the statue represented the breast and arms, which was silver, which is the Medes and the Persians, which they were going to be overthrown by the Greek empire, which represented the belly and thighs of the bronze which was going to be destroyed by the Roman Empire, the legs, which were made of iron and clay. And I love it. A stone cut without hands. You know, what? Well, the stones really don't get cut without hands. So that speaks of Jesus, right? That he struck the feet and he crushed them. So all of the empires, and a lot of historians look and they say that the Roman Empire, one of the reasons it fell was the spread of Christianity. I mean, think about that. I mean, it was like a harmless faith that was spreading all over the empire that they could not contain. They tried to squash, they tried to persecute, and Christianity continued to persevere and expand. 
So if you look at Daniel 2, verse 44, it sums it up. It says, In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed, and that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush, and it will put an end to all of these kingdoms. But it itself will endure forever. So we see a lot of things. We see this is the timeline of when they're saying that the kingdom of God is going to start on earth, right? It's not pushed off to some thousands of years in the future, that the kingdom was going to start with that rock that crushes the feet of the statue, which represents Jesus, and it was going to expand and expand, and it would never have an end. So if we want to look at it too, we see it in, in the story of David, right? When the Davidic covenant where God promised to King David in 2 Samuel seven sixteen, He says, And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. So David, you know, we, this is the promise to David that from his line is going to be someone who his throne is going to be established forever. So from David's line is, comes Jesus, who's going to bring the kingdom, and that is going to continue on forever. Now let's look in Acts 2, if you have your Bible, in one of the greatest messages in the Bible. Peter shares in Acts 2, after Pentecost. And I'm just going to read Acts 2, 29, starting on verse 29. This is an amazing message that the Apostle Peter gave right after the Spirit was poured out at Pentecost. He says, Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriot, patriarch David that he both died and he was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. And so because he was a prophet and he knew that God had sworn to him an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne, he looked ahead and he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, and he was neither abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Jesus raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this which you both see and hear. For it was not David who descended into, into, into heaven, but he himself. And he quotes from Psalm 110, which, by the way, this... Old Testament verse is the most quoted verse in the New Testament. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made, both, uh, made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. That is key right there. Peter is saying, and actually then the next verse says that they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. Though the people heard it, realizing, gosh, we crucified the one who is now seated at the right hand of the Father, who is now Lord in Christ. So what we see here in Acts 2 is Peter saying to the Jewish people that Jesus isn't reigning from a physical throne as many thought he would, he's, the resurrection is proof that Jesus is at the right hand of God. Amen? That is the whole basis of our faith and of the whole New Testament, that Jesus is at the right hand of the God. That means that all authority, all power, he has. And he is up there uh, right now, reigning from heaven, interceding for us, praying for us, and watching the expanse of his kingdom happen on earth even if we can't see it. 
So I love that. So we should be a people filled with hope. We are in, living in the times where his enemies are being made a footstool for God's feet. I mean, that is awesome. You know, it, it's not fully up to us. I mean, we're to show up and do our part and develop and mature, but he has won the victory. We are in the stages where the enemies are being made a footstool for his feet. The kingdom of God is advancing. It says his glory is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. This is the God we serve. These are the days that we're living in. It's pretty, pretty cool. Here's the thing. If our perspective is that the kingdom is here, then we'll see it. But if we're waiting for circumstances to take place before we believe that it's true, then we won't see it. Isn't it funny how that works? I shared years ago here, some will remember, I have this real hard problem when I go look in a refrigerator. I can't find anything I'm looking for. I mean, it's, I don't like going to racks at Marshalls and looking for clothes because I, I can't find stuff. I come out of there empty-handed. If I look in a refrigerator, I'm not going to find usually what I want. So we had this running joke. I'd be in there looking for Greek yogurt, and I'm like, I can't find my little thing of Greek yogurt. Joy, we don't have any. we, we got to get to the store and get some. She comes in, pulls it right out. Here you go. What, what in the world is your problem? You know? <laughs> To this day, that still happens. I mean, but, and, you know, there's actually a psychological reason for that. And, uh, and I still fall into this. It's actually a psychological thing called a scotoma, that when you don't believe something, your brain actually tells your eyes that it's not there. So it is a funny thing. So because I'm already going into the refrigerator thinking I'm not going to find something, I don't end up seeing it. So I don't know, my brain needs work or something, or you know, I don't know what it is, but to this day, I still have that problem. So I'm working on that. But that's, uh, that applies to the kingdom of God too. If we don't believe that it's here and it's operating amongst us, we're not going to see his work. We're not going to see the stuff happening that you know, confirms that the kingdom is expands, expanding. We're just going to see darkness. If you only believe in darkness, that's what you're going to see. It's like me looking in the fridge, you know. It's like, that's just the reality. Um, so it's really important. So, well, why do we go through this theology and lay it all out? Because we need to look at it. If the Bible says it and we have a timeline, we can see that the kingdom started with Jesus and it's been growing ever since. But then I'll hear, I'll hear oh, Steve, but Islam is taking over the world. Christianity is declining. No, it's actually not. Listen to these numbers, okay? This is actually kind of interesting. And it would be easier for me to visually show it, but you're all very smart people. You can follow this. And I know you know fractions, right? We, we, all, we all learn fractions. I may not be great at them. But in AD 100, okay, in AD 100, about 70 years after Christ started his ministry, it says, research shows about 1 360th of the world population was Christian. That's a very small number, right? One 360th. If you got one 360th a piece of pie, I'd be a little bit disappointed, you know? In AD 1000, one 220th of the world population was estimated to be Christian. One 220th. Still a pretty small piece of pie. I'd still be a little disappointed. By 1900, the world, with a world population of 1 billion, 127th of the world is estimated to be Christian. 
Okay, that pie piece of pie is getting bigger. Now, by 1990, estimate one-seventh of the population is Christian. And that could be people who just identify Jesus as Lord, you know, or I worship God, I worship Jesus. Now, and this is a few years ago, with about 7 billion people on the planet, about one-third are followers of Jesus. So that is true, and it is, continues to grow, and we're actually seeing a faster rate of growth in Christianity outside of the U.S., right, in different parts of the region. But God is on the move. His kingdom is expanding. In the same way that all that stuff was happening in the first century, and you would have never known it because it was dark, and it was the Roman Empire, um, you know, G- God was on the move. He was arranging the pieces, Caesar Augustus and Joseph going back to his birthplace, fulfilling prophecy. He was moving the pieces. Things were happening. You didn't see it. They didn't even expect it in that day. They weren't, they weren't really attentive to it. Uh, so we can't miss it, what's happening in our day. Oh, then I hear this. Oh, Steve, but I'd rather be living in the first century with the early Christians it would be so much better. That's when God really poured out his spirit. How many have heard that one? You know? Well, we're not called to be the first century church. You know, we're, we're living now. Uh, and by the way, in that time, men lived to be an average of about 35 to 40 years old. So it's really not that great. And one third of the, one half of the Roman Empire were slaves. So yeah, so I'd be a senior citizen in that empire right now. I'd be really pushing the limits. Some of you would be really ancient, you know. I'm not pointing out anybody in the front row. <laughs> I wasn't looking at you, Chick, when I said Erwin. Oh, I love it. Um, one half of the Roman Empire were slaves. It was a slave-fueled empire. That's why there's so much talk in the New Testament about slaves and free men. They understood that, that imagery. Disease was rampant. So we would not want to be living in the first century. This is much better time to be living. Um, so all these things that we throw up as reasons why things aren't as good or whatever, we are blessed to be living in the times that we're living and living in the country that we're living in. Um, and I, I love our country. I hate when people get really down on it. And we have some big problems for sure. Um, but I, I love I love the America, and all you have to do is travel a little bit, and you'll come back and you'll kiss the ground of this country. <laughs> we were just in Peru, my daughter Olivia and I, and we did a, a big hike in the Inca Mountains or Andes Mountains rather, and the Inca Trail, um, and it was just amazing and beautiful, and the scenery, the imagery, the stars went down in Peru that you can see in the sky, and you just look in awe of what God created. And then you come back to the U.S. and you're like, I'm so glad to be back here. Such a great country. Um, So we're to be believing the Lord for increase, expansion in every area of our lives. The kingdom didn't just start for it to do its own thing. It's going to permeate every aspect of us. What area of your life needs kingdom expansion? What area of our lives need to be expanded, filled with the presence of God? I have shared this before. My own marriage story is an example of God coming in and helping in something that I couldn't figure out on my own. I remember uh, I had, we had been saved. We had been serving in the church. We had been leading worship. We were leading worship all over the city in different venues and churches. Um, and, you know, the first few years of marriage were really raw, were challenging. Nobody would have known it. 
But in our hearts, you know, we were not connecting. There was not intimacy. There was stuff that I remember going to the Lord and saying, God, like, I don't know how to become the man that she needs me to be and that she deserves. I, I really don't know how to get there. <laughs> Has anyone ever felt like that with something? You know something needs to change, but God, I am at a loss. I don't know how to get there where I need to be. <laughs> and I remember that. Uh, it took me a while to get to that point, but when I did, and I remember it clearly, God intervened, and he broke through, um, and that is one of our greatest testimonies, really, in our journey of, of knowing God, is watching God break through in our marriage, and I remember shortly after I said that, and I cried out to the Lord, God broke through once, and I remember in our bedroom where I was weeping and crying, and he broke through in a way that, I mean, I'm not even a person, I don't cry all that much. We watch movies, and it's like, oh, I was nice. I'm not, like, crying or anything. It was great. Um, but for that, I knew God hit me because I started crying and crying and crying and crying, and it was a deep work of repentance in my heart. Since that day, I have never been the same. And you can ask my wife, and she can vouch for that. Uh, it, has, it totally changed. But it started coming to a place of total surrender, saying, God, I need you in this in a big way because I don't know how to get there on my own. So if you have stuff like that, if it's finances, if it's our worldview that needs to be enlarged, enlarged or aligned with the word of God, you know, sometimes our, our worldview needs the kingdom to come in and fill it, you know, the presence of God to come in and fill it because we're off. If you're negative all the time, if you only see problems, if it ruins your day, week, or month, or the latest news report, you need the kingdom to realign your thinking and your Amen. worldview. Amen. I, have, uh, I know some people who something will come out in a headline, and they will be depressed for weeks. And we won't hear from them. They're just like, and, and I get it. Some things really bother me. But we cannot allow ourselves to be thrown off for weeks and months at a time over something that happened in the news headline. God is bigger than what is happening in, in those areas. So um, I want to just share a few keys. I want to share four um, that are keys that I would say after 35 years of serving God in different roles inside the church and outside of the church, um, keys to moving forward and not getting stuck. And I hope you write these down. Um, I don't believe in doing three-point messages and creating cute things here and there. I really want to give what has been impacting to me to share that for you. So I have prayed about it, and this is what I feel like to share this morning. Um, I don't believe in fluff in messages. So number one, remember who you carry. This sounds so simple. This really is an antidote to burnout. <laughs> remember who you carry. And I heard a, a message years ago, and I see Dom and Nancy Nassau here who are pillars in this house. Welcome to, to you guys. It's so good to have you. Mothers and fathers, you guys will remember this possibly when I share this. But we had a message here years ago, um, and somebody came in and spoke, and they basically were sharing that they had been in the Eastern European country where there was communism. Um, and he, this individual who was a prophet, uh, was in this main city square, and there was like a monument in there that represented communism. And how many know communism? It's, it's an oppressive spirit, right? It, it really is an oppressive spirit. Um, there's nothing great about it. 
Um, and in the middle of the square, there was this thing, and he went up to it, and he said, just, he, it was real quiet, he was there by himself, he said, the kingdom of God is here. And that's all he said. He looked at it, and he prayed, and he said again, the kingdom of God is here. He looked right at it. It wasn't long after that that the, you know, communism fell in Eastern Europe, um, and due to a lot of prayer and of decades of people praying and all this stuff. But I never forgot that story. Because I carry that now into any meeting I'm in, any business meeting, anything I'm preparing for, I say, the kingdom of God is here. It's not just me walking into this boardroom or into this meeting, or it's not just me walk, waking up to take care of my kids that morning. Or The kingdom of God is here. Amen. The king is here. And if you can take that with you into any opportunity you have, the kingdom is here. It's not just me. We prayed this morning even as a prayer team. So it was not just our talents. We don't have to rely on our memorization of the words or me you know, sharing with you or my talents or this person's giftings. The kingdom of God is here. And the kingdom expands. So that is what I'm putting my hope in is the king. So I use this all the time. Um, you know, I always used to hear these things of, you know, before you go into a big meeting, pose in front of the mirror like a lion because it releases some endorphins in you or something that builds confidence. And they, I've heard that, actually. And, and, uh, and actually, there's some truth to it. But I've never needed to do it because I just do this. The kingdom is here. I remember going into a meeting years ago, and we were selling at my prior company. This was 12 years ago or whatever. And we were going in, we flew out to Detroit to push in this big deal, big presentation. I had been preparing for weeks. I picked up the CEO at the airport, like to bring him. He was coming to the meeting. You ever, I mean, I've never prepared for anything like I did for that in my entire life. You know, I mean, I was so ready. Um, but I remember being nervous. And I remember the same thing going into that room. The kingdom of God is here. I'm going into this room. I don't need to be nervous or afraid because the king is coming with me, you know. And he wants to establish righteousness, peace, and joy. So I remember being so pumped about that, but I was nervous in the flesh. I mean, my natural self was nervous, but I relied on that. And I remember us, we did the presentation. It seemed to go well. Uh, I did my part. We were all waiting outside the boardroom while they deliberated after. And if you've ever been in that situation, you're sitting out in the hallway with the CEO, all these other leaders of your company, and you're like, well, I wonder if I'm going to have a job next week. You know, this would be great, you know. So they actually come out, and they're like, we, we actually talked about it. We don't want to do a three-year agreement. We want to do six. And we were like, what? I mean, I've never heard that in all my years. Nobody ever wants to do a longer-term agreement. So it was actually ended up being the biggest deal we ever closed in our company history. And I was the most unlikely candidate to be able to win that at that time. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just telling you, there's so much I could share about it. But it was a miracle. But the king was with me. A um, couple of things I wanted to share. I didn't usually share this stuff when I worked. And I did pastor here. I worked full-time in business. I didn't mix in a lot too much of business with church because I didn't want to put the church in an awkward spot if something got taken out of context or something. Um, but I, now I don't care because that's like I can do whatever I want. So um, at the end of this past year, um, you know, and this message I'm preaching is for me too, I'm telling you. So I was actually telling my wife, I said, I think things are going to get a little bit easier. Um, you know, I mean, we, we, we handed the church off. We're still loving it, being part of it. But, you know, we couldn't do both forever. And uh, they're doing, Jack and Shell are doing a great job. Um, and we love them. Um, but I remember saying, you know, on, on these other boards and other areas of leadership, I, I think um, 
I'm going to be terming off the Rochester Small Business Council Board, which will be nice. And no longer, it was not long after I said that, and then I got a call like the, the, a day or two later by the existing president that said, um, we actually want you to stay longer on, and we actually want you to be the board president. I was like, um, okay, I, I did not see that coming. I was actually quite shocked, already counting like kind of a mini retirement there. What am I going to do with all this extra free time? Um, so we prayed about it, and we're like, okay, that, that's, uh, I didn't see that coming, but I think that's the Lord. I think we're going to do that, so I actually start that next year. I'm still on the board now, but, um, but I mean, that <laughs> that happened, and maybe a week or two later, I, I serve on this other one that's in the city. It's a children's organization, and it is a public advocacy organization for children's issues. So it looks at research-based, it's supposed to be nonpartisan, uh, you know, organization that looks at issues and then informs New York State based on data what the children need in order to you know be healthier live better lives impoverished areas things like that uh, and and I honestly I, I feel like a, sometimes a real outlier on that board like I mean there are some just really different ways of thinking and stuff that I've told you I don't even know how I got on this in the first place and I've been the board treasurer for like five years so that one I thought, oh, it's coming to an end. That's great. I got a call from the executive director. Steve, we'd like you to be the board president starting in March. I was like, I'm already like really wrestling with why I'm even on this in the first place. And I'm taking over now from the RIT chancellor, uh, the board position of that. Um, and I just prayed about it. And we thought, I'm like, this, I feel like Daniel in, in a foreign land here, like totally different uh, type stuff. But what he said to me was, you know, you don't, under, you don't maybe see everything the same way that we all do, but you know how to work with people and lead and lead meetings and be respectful and listen to people, but you speak with authority, and we need your leadership. And I remember being, okay, wow. So, Lord, you're teaching me something through this process that, you know, it's really sometimes it's good to be involved in things that feel different and awkward, so that we can be advancing the kingdom in all of these different areas. And not just with people who just see things the ex exact same way we do or agree with us. So those are just a few things, and I always attribute that to the kingdom is here. The kingdom of God is in me. Say that to yourself before you go into things. You'll find yourself in positions and doing things you never thought you'd probably be able to do. So, I mean, maybe it's a little scary to say that, but just try it, okay? Uh, the second thing I want to share, the second point, is get rid of the noise. And what does that mean? It means eliminate anything from your life that doesn't stir hope and faith. Okay? I think we can probably all think of a lot of what that could be. Eliminate anything from your life that doesn't stir hope and faith. Maybe you got to upgrade some friendships. Maybe you need some people that when you leave with them, you feel inspired. You feel hopeful. You don't feel dragged down. You know, enlarge your group of friends. Shut off the TV. Spend time in his presence. Eliminate talk radio from your lives. Um, I, I, honestly, on that one, I used to listen to it for years. I just totally shut it off over the last couple of years, um, realizing that I'm being sold when I'm listening to it. And you're usually there for paid advertisements. So you can't believe everything you hear. Um, so don't, I would just encourage you, don't waste a lot of time there. Um, when you start to get angry and frustrated and you start losing your hope, 
And then it's like, you know what? I'm listening to a steady diet of stuff that is working against where I want to be going. So shut off the noise. You know, get outside. Get new friends. Uh, whatever it is. I know that's a very practical. The third one, get over hurts quickly. All right, I'll say that again. Get over hurts quickly. I didn't say avoid hurts because we can't. We're going to get hurt in the kingdom. Uh, but we, we have got to get over things quickly. Um, there are people all over this region attending different churches that they're not called to because they didn't work through hurt or offense. So we, we need to work through things quickly and not get stuck. Um, how many have ever been hurt? <laughs> yeah, I think we all have. Some may have this morning, you know, who knows. Um, but really, we need to get over that quickly and keep moving. Don't get stuck and help somebody, if they're hurt, help pull them up out of the mud. We need each other. This last one that I'm going to share, we don't usually talk about this very much in church circles, but I don't see how we can't. If we believe that we don't live in a dualistic society, dualism means like spiritual is good, the flesh is bad, or you know, the natural is bad, the spiritual is good. Uh, there's, there, there's a separation between the two. But how many know there is no separation between the two? God has made things holy. You are declared holy. Um, he's in every minute of our lives. Uh, he loves when I wake up in the morning. He loves when I'm singing his praises on the way to work. He loves if you're watching a great family movie together. He sits up there and smiles like a dad watching his kids at Thanksgiving enjoy all the food and everything. So um, if we really believe that we're called to advance the kingdom, we have to consider our temple, our health. Yeah, we don't talk about this very much, but we really need to value the temple that God gave us, the body that God gave us, the one spacesuit that we get to do life in. Um, and, you know, so often we pray for supernatural, we attribute things to supernatural reasons that sometimes are our own choice or our ignorance. Um, and we need to really consider this. How many want to continue ex advancing the kingdom as you get older and farther? How many want it to be something that your kids and your grandkids and stuff see and like, I want to be part of that? Yeah. Then we need the energy and the fortitude to accomplish what God has called us to do. Um, so this stuff is important, um, and it's no condemnation at all because it, it took me a long time to start to implement some of this stuff. I'm going to share 10 pillars quickly. I, I hope you'll write these down. Um, but we really can't talk seriously about advancing the kingdom and longevity in the kingdom if we don't value our temple. We, have a, we are a temple of the Holy Spirit, it says, that the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us in my fleshly spiritual body, right? So these things are important. And we can't serve him effectively if we're tired all the time or we're lethargic or we're dealing with this and dealing with that. So I always say, control what you can control. I can't control everything. I can't control my genetics. You know, I can't control this or that. But there's some things we can control. And here's some. Ten pillars to health. One, sleep. I used to pride myself on years. Oh, I work so hard, I don't ever sleep. I'm like, that was so foolish, <laughs> so stupid. Uh, I had to do it for a period of time where I didn't get a lot of sleep when I was doing my graduate work. But other than that, prioritize it. We need it. We think clearly. 
Number two pillar, hydration. Um, I didn't realize how dehydrated I was for years without with drinking water. Just drinking coffee and stuff all day long. But make sure you're hydrated. You think clearly. You, you, you perform better. Minerals, supplements, add in some extra stuff. You know, we do live in a part of the country, you don't get a lot of vitamin D sometimes, right? During the seasons, Sue, right? So you have to incorporate some other things in there. Um, so there's a lot you can learn about it, but we do need some essential minerals and vitamins. You don't need to go crazy with it, but something. Nutrition, number four, eating the right foods. Um, eliminating what you can of processed junk and actually eat real food. You, I, you feel better. You're going to have more energy. You're going to be kinder to your kids and to your spouse. You're, you're, you're going to be more alert. You're going to be able to be more creative. I mean, it affects every area of our life. Number five, exercise. I heard this, and I, this was actually uh, what put me over the edge in the tipping point. Was, uh, I heard from a good doctor that Joy and I listened to. Uh, said that if I could bottle up exercise and put it into a pill, it would be the blockbuster medication of all time. <laughs> it's that important, you know, to do something. And every year, I would put it on my goals for the year, start an exercise routine. I didn't do it for years. And every year at the end, I'd look at my goal, I'd be like, oh, gosh, I've missed it again. You know, and then the next year, I'd put it back on, and I'd miss it, you know. It, so... What, what motivates you is not going to motivate you, or what motivates you might not motivate you. But there will be something that comes along, and it's like, all right, Lord, that's the nudge that I need to maybe start doing something. And don't go crazy. You just start implementing some basic things, and then you'll start doing more. Um, six, sunlight. Get what you can. We live in Rochester, New York. <laughs> Sunlight's important. You do need to get out in the sun. Take advantage of it while it's here. Seven, nature. Get outside in nature. Um, you know, being in Peru in the mountains, I mean, just breathing in the air, going for a walk around here. We got so many beautiful lakes, areas, things like that, that keep you in a good mental state of mind. The studies have actually shown that being out in nature lowers stress. And stress is the killer in our generation and inflammation. So get out in nature and just keep it simple, but enjoy it. Number eight, mindset. There's actually a book out called Growth Mindset that I've read that talks about the importance of having a growth mindset or a closed mindset. Either you see the world is open with possibilities and opportunities or you see it is fixed and you see the time is finite. Having a growth mindset has been shown to increase longevity um, and people are more creative with an open mindset. Uh, learning new things, unlimited resources available type of thing. So our mindset is important. Number nine, community. You know that being here today is good for your health? Being here today, giving someone a hug, a handshake, talking with someone, right? It's good for your health. There's a health benefit to it beyond just a spiritual benefit. We need each other. So you're helping this person's health by you being here. You know, you're helping this person by being, you know, it's like it all goes around. But we're more healthy as a community when we meet together. I don't know how that works online. I don't know if studies have hit that yet, how that works. I'm sure there's some benefit. But there's nothing like being with people in person, right? And then 10, pillar of health, is love. And I think God's love, knowing we're loved, loving our spouse, Loving those around you, 
the love that's in this room for one another. Um, you need that for health. You can have the best exercise, health routine in the world. If you don't have community and love in your life, you're missing a big piece. So it's all important. So I just share that because I don't think it gets talked about a lot, um, and I think it's a, a vital import, a vital piece of advancing the kingdom, of moving forward, of not getting stuck, of continuing to grow and learn and mature in the body of Christ, okay? So I just want to pray. I want to declare some things over us. Um, a lot of times when I speak, and Laura, you can come on up if you'd like, or whoever, Tim is great. Um, either one, I love them both. Um, a lot of times when I share, sometimes we'll have an encounter with God. I've had amazing encounters with God where I've just been on the ground or I've cried or, you know, or whatever. I can look, think, remember those experiences. Sometimes it's I hear one thing. And it jogged me, jogged my memory, and I remember it later. And that's the thing that the Lord encourages you to act on that one thing. God doesn't overwhelm us. He doesn't overwhelm his people. But he does do things with little nudges. And I just want to just take a moment and just maybe we can just, you know, listen to the you know, keyboard play. And then I'm going to release some declarations over us. But just take a moment and just ask the Lord what it is that he just spoke to you that maybe is for you to take away or implement. finish this race strong. We want to finish with agility. Even though we may be getting older in our age, we can be young at heart and always stay in a point of surrender before you where we say, God, it is all about you. I surrender every area of my life. Speak to me. You can speak, God, in any area of my life. your people strength today. I declare that you would strengthen those that are weary. Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit here this morning that is speaking to hearts and minds that we would leave here not the same people that came in. I pray a blessing over every area of their life. 
I pray a blessing over marriages here in Jesus' name. And I commend those that are doing the hard work of working on your marriage. And maybe you're in a tough time right now, but there is a breakthrough coming. I pray a blessing over finances. Lord, you know every need in this place. Thank you for wisdom and insight for each person to do what you should call them to do. Thank you, Lord, that we are all maturing into the people that you have made us to be, you've called us to be, that we're going to finish this race strong, whether it's in, in 10 years, whether it's in 50 years. We have our sights on the goal, which is the prize. Thank you, God, that your kingdom is, is growing in this earth and we are part of it. There's no reason to ever lose hope, Lord, when we see the work that you do and what you have done. Pray for an infusion of hope and life into the hearts of people today. Bless you, Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.